It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and a huge welcome to this week's Gina Gardner and Friends show. And today I have a very special gentleman called Joe Templin. He's a human Kazan expert, an ultra marathoner, a special needs parent, a martial arts champion, an autodidactic polymath, and author of the Amazon Kindle number one new release, Everyday Excellence. And ultimately, we've been talking before the show and our missions are so closely aligned that I'm absolutely thrilled to have him on the show. So Joe, a huge, huge welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. Gina, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk with you and the listeners that get a chance to basically be the fly on the wall for our conversation. Well, I wish we'd captured the conversation before I press the record button, but I we're in for a great show. Before we get started on talking about our theme, which is choosing the harder path, just give people a potted version of your story. How have you come to be here and have this amazing mission that we're going to be talking about? Oh, so how much time do we have here? Uh, you well, know, I've the got very you spend on your story, the less time we've got to spend on your mission. Uh, I've got a very eclectic background. I'm basically a human Swiss army knife. So to boil it all down, uh, one of six kids, farm kid, my mom, the nun. Yes, my mom was nun. My dad was army military, became a consultant, um, severely asthmatic. I died. Obviously, I got better. Started doing Taekwondo, started college at 13 because my parents said 12 was too young. Uh, ended up winning a world championship in Taekwondo, made weapons for the Department of Defense, went to finance, uh, started studying psychology, uh, started ultra running along the way, wrote a book called Everyday Excellence, trying to help people out. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Well, you know, I'd like to start by talking about your mission. And you have a humongous mission, one that I, resonates very much with my own. So would you like to share that with people? 
Sure. So, you know, like most authors, my initial goal was to sell a lot of books. And I realized that was incredibly selfish. That was self-focused. And uh, my mom and nun would have come down from heaven and smacked me in the back of the head for that sort of mission. So thinking about and talking with um, my core advisors and the people that are important to me, I realized that it's actually much more important than that. What I'm tasked with doing, it's not even like a goal, it's a mission. I'm, you know, I'm so driven that I wake up at three o'clock in the morning thinking about it, is reaching out and being able to help and positively impact in some capacity, a hundred million people over the next 12 months so that they can make a slightly better decision in their life so that they're happier, healthier, more productive, better parent, better partner, better uh, coworker, and move them in a positive direction in some way to help offset the entropy and ennui that we're seeing in the world. You know, as I look uh, and I listen to your mission and I think about the number of people who you see in the media or you speak to that you know, who are struggling because of their physical health or their mental health, that emotionally they are unhappy, that that spiritually they they have not yet realized that they are on a spiritual journey and that life is here for learning. And I'm I'm just struck by your wish to support and help people. And before we started recording the show, you were giving some statistics about um, health and happiness. And I think it would mm-hmm. be really important to, sh- to share that with our listeners. So according to the CDC, roughly three quarters of Americans are overweight and half of them are clinically obese which leads to all these other health problems down the road. And it actually was one of the reasons why COVID hit the United States so harshly is because it compounded these comorbidity factors. Combine that with the fact that 75% of Americans hate their job. So they're spending 40 plus hours a week, someplace that they hate, and they go home, sit on the couch, and eat Cheetos and watch The Bachelor or some other, you know, stuff like that and rot their mind. And there's a reason why the graduating class of 2019, which is last year that I had statistics for, 40% of them sought treatment for anxiety. Sought treatment. So that means that probably another 20 or 30% of them had issues that they did not go and see some help for. So if you look, Basically, across the board, three quarters of the people, and this is in America, are overweight and or hate what they do for a living and or under incredible mental duress and not really able to deal. And these are all things that they're not under our control, but they're under our influence. And they're different. Control is I press this button and something comes on out. I pull the leveler and I get the exact result. But under our influence, we can make better choices. The micro decisions that we make on a daily basis. Do I eat the donut or do I eat the healthy food? Do I sit on the couch or do I go for a walk around the block? Do I you know, read a bodice ripper or watch mind-numbing TV? Or do I go and try and learn something to better myself so I can be in a better position job-wise? It's these little decisions. Xenocytium was the founder of stoicism. 
And he said that well-being is no small thing, but it's made up of small steps. And so that's a model. In fact, it's the cover of my book. It's the cool nonlinear growth curve. Because if we do little things better on a regular basis, the long-term results are going to be spectacular. I'm an ultra marathoner. You don't just roll out of bed and run 100 miles one day. You start by going around the block. Then you do 5Ks. Then you do 10Ks. Then you do 20Ks. Then you do and half marathons. Then full marathons. And then you can stretch it on out. You can't become a guitar wizard like Dr. Sir Brian May overnight. You need to practice over time. And so anything that is worthwhile is going to take a while. And people need to start focusing on doing the little things better on a consistent basis. And over a month, two months, three months, they'll be amazed at the change that they can make in their life. Yeah, there's so much that you've offered that uh, offers people um, a really profound way forward. You know, I talk to people very much about taking radical responsibility for their thoughts, their emotions, their actions, their language. And when you do that, it means that you have control over you. And that's the only thing you've got control over. You haven't got control over other people or the political world or the weather, but you can control what you put on your plate and what you eat. And what strikes me, just as before we go into the break, and I want, you know, if you're listening to this, to think about why is it that people are using food, alcohol, um, chemical drugs, shopping, sex, TV, social media, as an anesthetic, because they are unhappy, because their life is not satisfying. And that's my belief is that, you know, the huge increase in the number of people who are obese and unhappy um, means that people are looking for a quick fix answer, rather than seeing that actually the answer lies within them. So don't go away. We're going to come back in a couple of minutes and we're going to carry on this conversation because ultimately this is a conversation that could save your life. It could save the quality of your life and the quality of the life of people around you. And we don't want to preach. That's not the point of where we're coming from. We're coming from a point of real care and wanting the best for ourselves and for you. So please don't go away. We'll see you in a minute. I'll never forget the day I nearly died. The only way we found out I had any kind of heart issue was when I went into sudden death. I think unless you are a heart disease patient, you may not know how much work the American Heart Association does behind the scenes to save your life. Since my cardiac arrest, I've watched all three of my children grow into adulthood, and I'm still here. Learn more about the American Heart Association's work at helpheart.org. Hey there, I'm Lance Bass, and this is Chip. And for more than 100 years, American Humane has been protecting animals in times of crisis. And if you're like me, your pet means the world to you, and you want to keep them safe if disaster strikes. American Humane's first responders are always prepared to rescue animals in danger, but you can also help. To learn more about disaster planning and keeping your animals safe, please visit AmericanHumane.org. Welcome back. So we were talking about, you know, taking responsibility before the break, and it could come across as really preachy. 
and you know you're talking about a wonderful mission which is to to help people make better decisions but what about the person who says well that's my choice if i want to make decisions and i want to eat 47 donuts what's that got to do with you well, when I have to turn around and pay the tab for your 47 donuts, not now, but 20 years from now when you have a heart attack and are diabetic and all that, well, then I do have a right to talk about it a little bit. But before we went to break, Gina, you were asking the question of why so many people are using shopping or sex or alcohol or food or narcotics to numb themselves. Yeah. And it uh, made me think about what Dr. Gabor Marte talks about. He's up in Canada. Um, that all addiction really is a symptom of trauma that has been unresolved. And if you look at the uh, Polish psychiatrist or psychologist uh, Dombrowski, a lot of his work was around post-traumatic growth. Because we all have trauma in our life. We all have bad stuff that happens. That's called life. The question is, how are you going to react? Are you going to shut down or are you going to get up and you're going to fight? You know, if are you going to be traumatized and say, woe is me, I'm the victim. It's beyond my control. Or are you going to say, you know, no. I almost swear that I'm glad that I did. I'm very you glad. Know, stand on up <laughs> and be ready to fight and say, you know, I can do this all day like Captain America does. You, so are you going to take it or are you going to say, no, I'm not going to just take it. I'm going to defeat this. I'm going to use this as fuel. I'm going to use this to make myself better because failure is feedback, as I say. So too many people are like, oh, you know, I failed that test or, you know, somebody treated me poorly or I had abuse or, you know, my father was an alcoholic or whatever. And they're like using that as an excuse to essentially lay down and die, at least internally, as opposed to saying, no, that's not what I'm going to take. That's not how I'm going to be. My father is an alcoholic. Because of that, I'm going to fight against it and I'm going to be an example. And it comes down to the old saying, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. So I have kids and my kids know what is right and wrong. Not because I stand on a soapbox and tell them, because I show them in the little things like, hey, yo, look, I'm prepping dinner, come help me. And so they learn to cook and they learn to cook healthy food. They see me studying when they were studying. I was doing work too. They see me take care of my plates and clean up. And if I'm walking down the street and there's you know a piece of garbage, I pick it up and throw it in the trash. Because that's what my parents told me. And so doing these little things can create positive ripple effects. And it, you're not going to necessarily go from uh, a morose attitude and be Pollyanna right away. But every single day, we have between 50 and 80,000 thoughts. And most of them are just programmed in. They're automatic. Yeah. And most of them tend to be negative. So if we can just bend the curve on that, and have a couple of better thoughts per day or make it so that our environment's set up to make slightly better decisions, you know, have healthier food around, um, have the uh, running shoes or what do you guys call them? Trainers yeah. uh, set out so that 
you actually trip over them. So you're like, oh, I might as well put them on and go around the block once. And it's those little choices that add up to a much better attitude. And then that attitude reflects itself in terms of the physical and financial decisions that we make. I think you know, what you say is, is it's so true. If you think about most people's lives, you, you've already uh, alluded to the fact that, that most of our thoughts are habitual. They go into a, a, a pattern which um, doesn't cross the conscious mind at all. And, you know, when you're talking about, you know, do I have to consciously remember to breathe or for my cells to um, duplicate? Well, that's great that that's at an unconscious level. But when our thoughts and our actions and our words are based on beliefs that were installed a long time ago and we've never questioned them and habitual patterns of behavior, it's very easy to get caught in that spiral which takes you down and that the the more negative you are, the more you focus on the negative, the more yep. negative you become. One of the strategies that I've used myself and I've used a lot with clients is that of collecting gratitudes. Because if you imagine the brain to be an old fashioned vinyl record, it gets stuck in the groove and we've got to get out of that groove. And I think collecting gratitudes is a great way to do it. And you make it very simple. You start off first thing in the morning, I'm grateful to be alive. There's a, 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 a silly little strategy, which is to flap your wings as if you're a chicken and to think, you know, can I feel the side of my coffin? Well, no, it's a new day. I choose to be alive. Um, so you can do the funky chicken. It makes you smile. But then go through the day really noticing things to be grateful for and make it easy. So for me, hot water, having a hot shower, I'm very grateful that I can turn on my hot water and know that it 99.9 .9 times out of a hundred, the hot water's there. So can can I make a comment on that? Yes, actually, you can. So instead of just noticing it, one of the things from a psychology point of view is either capturing it or sharing it with another. Right. So well, if you I'm, write it down, like I always carry index cards because my mom taught yeah. me to do that, you know, write down oh, you know, I had this great cheeseburger or I saw this little kid playing and laughing or I saw this really cool sunset. So writing those down is one way to further reinforce it. And if you write it physically, you get the haptic feedback as opposed to typing it on your phone. But even more than that, and, uh, um, if you look at the course of happiness from Yale University, uh, Lori Santos teaches this, is sharing that gratitude. So if I see a really beautiful flower, I will take a picture of it and share it with a couple of friends. If yeah. I see a great sunset, I will capture it and share it with individuals because I have this wonderful little bit of joy, this gratitude. But if when you share it, it's the whole idea behind Thanksgiving dinner. You give it to others too. And I have now given them a gift of happiness and they'll open up the picture and they'll smile. They might like a comment, come on, tell them what you're doing. But you know, but by doing that, it actually multiplies it. That's a great um a, a great way of doing it. And actually the sharing bit, I think is an incredibly positive and powerful way. But if you, during the day, collect those gratitudes, and then last thing at night, before you go to sleep, scan the day 
and relive those gratitudes and this is a great thing to do with your children get them to collect mm. gratitudes and then before they go to bed so what's today's gratitudes and then the strategy that uh, that, uh, that i use with people i ask them to have a gratitude book by the side of their bed and as they scan the day to collect and write down their gratitudes i call it a thank bank mm. just like when you are investing money in your bank, you gain extra interest that when you're having a bad day, you can go to your thank bank and you can capitalize on the interest that you have created. Gina, you've given me two wonderful phrases that I'm going to steal. So thank you. <laughs> Radical responsibility and thank bank. I'm going to use both of those. Excellent. We've got to go for a short break now. Don't go away because there's lots more to come. With the timeless protection of ADT, it's safe to say. Hey, Google. Unlock the front door. When you've helped save more lives than any other home security brand, it's safe to say there's a reason millions of people trust ADT to help protect what matters most. Where are you headed? Uh, just gonna hang out. If any of your buddies ever pressure you to take a drink, just tell them you promised your dad you wouldn't. I promise. Love you too, Dad. They really do hear you. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back. So before the break, we were talking about gratitude. And I think, you know, we have so much to be grateful for. We live in the most amazing world. And, you know, if you say, well, I'm in a block of flats, I haven't got a garden, it's hard to get to the natural world. You can look out of the window and you can see the clouds and actually just be in the moment. Because I think one of the other challenges, and I'd be really interested in your opinion, but one of the other challenges that I think so many people struggle with is that they're either focusing on the past and worrying about what they did do or they didn't do, if only I'd done it that or I should have done that, or they're anxious about the future, about things which may never happen. And so all of that focus and that energy is spent on things that you have no control over and very often are negative. Whereas if you can spend some time each day living in the moment of course it's important to plan strategically but to be flexible about that but i think we as a society have lost many people have lost the capacity to just be in the moment we're human doings and not human beings and the prevalence of smartphones and social media has compounded that in a lot of ways because, you know, people can always go on the 5,000 apps that they have on their phone and do all this instead of actually just sitting there with themselves. And so this is one of the reasons why we've got a mental health crisis is it's in the darkness that you discover your own demons. and You can face them and subjugate them and use their power. You know, if we wanted to go all junk in and talk about the shadow, but you know, being able to be bored is important for kids. Being able to sit there and not have the constant feed with the constant dopamine hit of social media and everything else to just live in the moment, 
to breathe, as you were saying. This is something that for the past probably 10, 12 years, we've been losing. And unfortunately, the younger generations, because they've grown up with all the screens all the time and the constant flash, it's like basically growing up inside a casino. They're so overstimulated and used to that that they can't handle just sitting there quietly listening to the birds and watching the sunset. You know, they've done quite a lot of research now about teenagers and people in their early 20s where the brain is not fully mature. And I don't know about in the uh, the US, but in the UK, over half the prescriptions for antidepressants. Great book by Johan Hari, by the way, called Lost Connections. And, uh, you know, if you are someone who has depression, it's a, a great book to read. But what struck me is that they did some research about how young people got on with antidepressants, which are not designed for the immature brain. Oh. And they then took those same children who had, had failed to thrive on, on medication and they gave them talking therapy and they got them out into the forest and into nature, getting their hands dirty, actually just being in, in that environment where there wasn't such a thing as a phone or a computer or an electronic game. And very quickly in you know, in, in literally in four or five weeks, the mental health of that young person had improved immeasurably. And I think as a society, we've really got to start thinking about what we are doing to the young, to tomorrow's generation, um, both in terms of what we're modelling, but also in terms of how we, um, we treat them and how we teach them to be able to take radical responsibility to be authentically who they are and to have a great um, attitude towards themselves and towards others. So I want you to think as we um, go uh, into the end of the program, if you're listening to this, how can you help yourself? How can you help yourself? If you're one of those people who is overweight, what's the reason for it? Why is it that eating has, has given you um, something to... So, you know, if you're someone who is struggling with your weight or you're finding it difficult, Joe, what would you suggest are going to be some strategies to help? We've talked about gratitudes. We've talked about uh, a number of things, but... You know, in the last few minutes of the program, you know, what are your two or three real um, pearls of wisdom? So I'm glad you used pearls because that's uh, actually the phrase that I use, the pearls of wisdom or pearls of excellence. One, if somebody's struggling with something, whether it's weight, mental health, um, relationship issue, one thing that they need to do is to do the smallest possible sustainable change okay and james clear talks about this in habit stacking so get up in the morning and walk for five minutes don't go run for 20 30 minutes okay don't try and do anything like that just no. get up and walk every morning and after a couple of weeks it will start changing your identity and how you see yourself 
then you can, you know, go from five minutes to 15 minutes. That's easy. But it's basically creating it within your uh, habit stack, as James Clear says, or just your uh, self-identity that you do this every single day. Where can people find you? Uh, maybe in the pub. Uh, but <laughs> they can find my book on Amazon, especially if they're outside of the United States. So there's uh, hard copies and Kindle. They can also go to my website, which is everyday-excellence.com. That's everyday-excellence.com. And the podcasts live there. The They can get the books. There's a daily blog. There's a link to the YouTube channel. So it's an entire environment where people can get a lot of free, quick hit information and help to be able to make better decisions so that they can unlock their personal lives. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. You'll have to come back onto the show. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Do please encourage other people to listen. We donate um, meals for um, for the number of listeners that come onto the show. So the more listeners, the more meals that we donate. Also, if you'd like to uh, speak to me or to work with me, or you'd just like to say what you think of the show, my email is Gina, G-I-N-A, at genuinely-u.com. And the website is genuinely-u.com. You'll find lots of resources and lots of links to other things. So thanks again for joining me. Please do join me on the next show. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.